Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, is mine? We're not going to be fucking sunk this year with the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Noel, how are you? Long time no talk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. It's good, good to talk to you again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got any uh, big plans for this weekend? Well, um... Besides the uh, the football game, I mean, I'm, I'm establishing the foundation for my big light show that I'm planning on putting up on my house. I'm really looking forward to that. About yeah. 800 trees have thrown up on my lawn, so i got to clear that out. And it's, like I said, establish the foundation for my uh, my light show. It's a big weekend plan. The big Griswold experience over there. Got this weekend, and then I'll keep you guys abreast of what's going on. Next weekend will be the, uh, the big unveiling. Hey, maybe we'll post your house on Twitter. We got quite a few followers now. People might actually be interested, you know, see what the house looks like with all this talk. About I don't. It. I don't want to make you look bad. You have to put your house up too with your one strand of lights. We'll put side by side pictures up. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> My, mine doesn't look quite as schlocky, so the you know, it's, oh, mine's yeah. mine's more of a classic look. Oh yeah, classic yeah. one strand. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll put a little more effort in. Oh, there if, you go. You there know? you go. We'll have a little competition. If I've got more of an audience this time, I might actually... Oh, oh Yeah, because the kids don't give a shit, you, you know, so... You don't do it for the love of the game. You do it for uh, accolades. Uh, you know, I'm a competitive person. <laughs> but I will not go past the porch. I refuse to do that. I will no? not go an no inch ru- past... No, the- no roof lights? No, no Santas no. on the roof or oh, okay. any bullshit like that. All right. Not going to happen. All right, well, later on, we're going to have... Another Top 5 Friday, so get ready for that one. But first, let's start with a preview of the big homecoming weekend game. Excited about that. Still doing that without Bruce Allen, so that's interesting. But (laughs) (laughs) with with the fake retro Redskins unis, I don't think they're going to have the uh, Native American head on the the side. No, no, they definitely won't. So it's just going to be like blank burgundy jerseys with that ugly gold thing that they got. That should be. It's going to be beautiful. Hey, they're starting a new tradition. Of nothingness. Of nothing. (laughs) It's a blank canvas. (laughs) But it's a uh, matchup pitting two of the worst teams in the league. The two and six Cincinnati Bengals against the two and seven Washington football team. So this game is on Sunday at one o'clock. We'll be on CBS. I think this might be the first game on CBS. You think Romo's going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nance will be there. Hello, friends. <laughs> They'll just yeah. do a pre-recorded Nance. Yeah, yeah. So to pay anybody. What do you? Th- how many people outside of Washington and Cincinnati will be watching this game? And the real question is how many people in Washington will be watching this game? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> God. God help us. But uh, Washington is a one and a half point favorite in this game. You know, another one for you, for the books. Thank you, home field advantage. They decided no fans again at FedEx. Yep. I think it was only one game with fans, right? Yeah. So instead of going for two, we'll go for overtime because of the big home field advantage aspect of things. Obviously. That's Rivera right there. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. But last week, the Bengals got crushed by the Steelers, 36 to 10, and Washington lost in a heartbreaker to the Detroit Lions, 30 to 27. So as far as injuries go, as of Thursday... Got some pretty big ones here, actually, for Washington. Left tackle Jerron Christian and Sadiq Charles, two left tackles there, were put on IR this week. So Christian's back up. It was actually playing pretty well, Cornelius Lucas. They have not practiced all week, and it's looking like 
more and more that Morgan Moses is going to have to take that spot at left tackle like he did in the last game, and David Sharp will start it right. So uh, Dustin Hopkins as well hasn't practiced all week because of that nagging groin injury. And Dontrell Inman has still been out due to the lingering hamstring the last few weeks. So as for Cincinnati, cornerback Troy Brown has a foot injury, didn't practice. Wide receiver T. Higgins didn't practice as well. And uh, Joe Mixon has been out the last week or two. So doesn't look promising for him. So that could be a positive, I guess. All right. Well, let's start with Washington's offense versus the Bengals defense. Go for it. Well, I'm going to go a little different route this time because apparently what I say doesn't mean shit. So (laughs) I'm thinking that um, Alex Smith should fling the ball around. Um, They're weak in the defensive backs. They got eaten alive against the Steelers. Now give it, they were down about five D backs in that game. So they've got a few back now, but I think that's a primary weakness for this club. And I think that Alex Smith should try to go downfield. I think they they can match up well in that aspect of things. They're not very good against the run either, but the way Washington's been running the ball, I'm not saying abandon it, but I'm I'm not going to say this again about running the ball, running the ball. Just Alex, fling it around, man. See what happens. Yeah, kind of agree with that. And, you know, actually a crazy stat that I wanted to mention, and I want to credit John Keim for this one, our colleague, I guess you could say. (laughs) But yeah. uh, <laughs> well, to us, I don't know about to him. <laughs> so you know, who we are. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, in the last four weeks, Washington's offense is ranked sixth in yards per game, first and third down percentage, number one, and twentieth in points per game. Obviously, it hasn't translated, but better than what is before. But listen to this: in the first five games, the offense ranked dead last in total yards and third down percentage, also thirtieth in points per game. So we're seeing an uptick and, you know, not turning this into a Haskins versus anybody else thing, but facts are facts. But to win this game, Washington's offense needs to play mistake-free football. Simple as that. It's easier said than done, of course. We've yet to see it from this offense, but, you know, just simple things like no awful sacks being taken, delay of game penalties at the worst possible times. And something we didn't talk about is the awful decision. I thought of this when I was watching the game, but I actually forgot to mention it. That final drive is when they decided to kick in the back of the end zone. Why not kick it to the fucking returner? There was, what, 16 seconds left, 18 something like that. That burns five seconds right there. And nothing else would have really mattered at that point. Maybe Hopkins didn't realize that he had that kind of leg and limping (laughs) around like that. He's like, oh, damn, this one got away from me. Kind of like a a drive that you maybe. hit of just a beast. You're like, damn, got a hold of that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's po- maybe he has no gauge, gauge, gauge his power on his. <laughs> but no, I mean, wouldn't that have been smart? Kick yeah, it high, absolutely. squib it something to just knock some seconds off. Because let's think about the percentages. How many kick returns actually happen in the NFL? Very few. You have a much better chance of Matthew Stafford pushing that ball or something stupid like Chase Young getting that 15-yard penalty, whatever it is. The point is, try not to do stupid shit. Well, Matt, we've said this multiple times and we've talked about the turnover battle and not getting in your own way. You're asking a bad football team to be good. That's the issue here. They're not a good football team. They don't cross their T's and dot their I's. They're very rough around the edges. There's no attention to detail from the coaching staff either. And you're asking things of a person. It's like a one-legged man in an asking contest. It's just some things aren't going to happen. And that's the bottom line here. So for me, yeah, we can go over expectations and what this team should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And it we're a broken record, but they're just not a good football team. And the only positive here is They're playing another shitty football team. So you hope that they just play less shitty than the other shitty team. Yeah. The Bengals defense is terrible. Yeah. They're more well-rounded terrible than Detroit's was. They're (laughs) bot. You know what I mean? At least Detroit (laughs) could defend the pass a little bit. Obviously not very well in the last game, but they rank bottom third in every major statistical category. Yeah. I mean, they're 26 ranked passing offense. Steelers, Roethlisberger ate him alive last week. And like I said, they were decimated in the D-backs, but it was just a small drop-off compared to what their starters are. They're young, and they're not disciplined. McLaurin and my boy Cam should mm-hmm. eat this defense alive. And that's why I'm saying Alex Smith, this game, needs to fling the fucking ball around. And I want to see him improve on the game. If he can pass the ball like he did last game, and not because they're behind – and just generate offense and generate offense and keep this defense on their heels, 
they should have a good day. And that's another thing. For the love of God, start out somewhat fast. Don't be down by 17 points, 21 points, whatever that is. It's got to stop at some point, right? Eventually, they have to become a somewhat serviceable football team in the first half. It's impossible for this this trend to continue. You know, it kind of reminds me of like how that one year with Gruden and, and Kirk Cousins when they just could not score in the red zone. You remember that? Right. Yep. It was just a brick wall. Just couldn't do it. Every time they were there, they tried to throw the fade. They tried to do this bullshit. Just couldn't score. Never got it fixed throughout the entire year. And I felt like every single game, I was like, all right, this is the game. There's no way that they can be this bad in the red zone. It's just statistically impossible. The percentages are with them, but they never got it fixed. And hopefully that's not the case with this team with the, with the first half problems. But again, it, you know, it all comes back to the coaching. How are they preparing these guys? What are they doing this week to prepare them for the first half? The scripted plays. How's the defensive coaches prepping these guys to get to Burrow or stop the run with shit running backs? They don't even have Mixon. And they haven't proven to be able to stop the run. Oh, so we switching over to defense now? No, no, no. No, we're not. I, <laughs> I'm just saying I want... I don't know what they're doing in these meetings. I don't know how they're preparing these guys. I don't know if they're listening. But we've talked about it time and time again. They're very good at making adjustments for whatever reason they can't get them prepped for the first half so something's got to give here well if you're going to have issues on the offensive line this is the week to do it they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback it's not something that you really is a glaring issue that Washington is going to have to deal with if the offensive line plays respectable they shouldn't have an issue if they stick to the game plan and they need to take what they did against Detroit and utilize it from the go And we'll see what happens. Keep Alex Smith on his feet, give him throws that he can make, and go with it. And if you can establish a running game at some point during the game, fine. But I'm I'm in the mode this game, pass first, think about running second. And that, again, falls in Alex Smith's, what he does. Short passes to Gibson and McKissick. At the end of the day, though, like you said, this is going to fall on Alex Smith. They've proven they can't run the ball on a consistent basis. They ran it, what, 26 times out of 80-plus plays? That's fine, I guess. They at least tried to run the ball. And I think that keeps the defense honest. It's just a matter of if they're successful, but I don't think they really need to be successful. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. And if it comes down to it, don't. I just want them to do what works at this point. I just want them to be productive on the field and establish a tempo in the game that for once a team is chasing them. And that's all I want. So we'll see what happens. I think the offense will be successful this week, but I think it's going to be a way that... uh, is slightly unorthodox that Alex Smith is going to go down the field a little bit and make plays. My concern is with Cornelius Lucas out and David Sharp at the right tackle. Once he came in, he was getting rushed every fucking play in that fourth quarter. So he th- Detroit th- has a lot better defensive line. If Cincinnati doesn't have Geno Atkins in the game, Matt, I'm telling you, it's not going to be worrisome. You just have to chip a guy on the, um, a running back on the side or add a tight end onto that side. You'll be fine. But that's the problem. Norv Jr. doesn't do that. Well, we'll see. He leaves him out on an island. So, I mean, hopefully... We'll Maybe he'll make the proper adjustments over the week to. I, I do don't that. know. I I mean, I just want to see him. Like I said, show some remnants of offense to start the game, and go from there. But anyway, let's move on to uh, Washington's defense versus Cincinnati's offense to win this game. The Washington defense needs to create a goddamn turnover. Can we get one of those? What do you think, Washington? I, I, I don't know if you're aware of this. But Washington's defense has forced two turnovers in the last five games. That's just not going to get it done. Yeah, and they've given up a shitload more turnovers than that. Five in one game, for instance. Just like last week, I was saying, you know, this team, if they are even in turnover differential, they'll win. We're not asking for a lot here. Just be even. And, you know, more than likely, the offense or special teams will give up the ball once, at least. I'm not asking for a pick six or anything. Just turn the ball over. Be nice to be in their territory. That would be great. But that has been the deciding factor in a lot of these games. No, I think the deciding factor is that Washington's been turning the ball over. You're not getting turnovers. That's one thing. They're getting run on. They're not getting the same type of pressure on the quarterback that they were. There are things that are under their control. A turnover is a turnover. And most of their turnovers are created by pressure on the quarterback, which they have not been getting. That's the real issue here. Okay, that's where those turnovers came early on in the season was because they were eating quarterbacks alive. Now they're not. And we said this before. The D-backs, it's fool's gold. 
this yards per game against the pass, all this shit, it's fool's gold because they're carrying over from pressure. Yes, they've had the ability to defend the pass sometimes, their D-backs, but it's all predicated on what the defensive line does. And the defensive line hasn't been playing up to par recently, especially against the run. And that has had serious effects on how they can rush the passer because now they're worried about the run. The linebackers are having to stay back. They're having to stay home more to to try to find gaps. They haven't been able to tee off. Now, I can tell you this, Matt. If they don't get pressure on Burrow, he's going to do exactly what Stafford did. And he's going to pick them apart. And he has the ability to do that. So they're going to have some serious issues if they if Chase Young and Sweat can't do what they did earlier on in the season. And God willing, Mixon doesn't play, but yeah. Bernard is not a scrub and he's fast and can get around shit. So they need to get to Burrow quick. He can turn the ball over. He can make erratic throws just like any quarterback, especially a young quarterback. And that's where they need to establish the foundation of how the defense is going to play. Then the rest of it will kind of fall into place, just like it always does. But we got to go back to what the strength of this team is, is the D-line. And they just haven't been playing up to par lately. Well, they did get five sacks against the Giants and still didn't get a turnover. So they're, they're getting pressure. Last game, they got nothing. They didn't even sniff. No, snapper. that's what I'm comparing it to. I mean, it's not just the sacks game. The Daniel Jones situation, yes. That game was just a cluster of issues, but they protected Stafford very well. The defensive line was very pedestrian. They ran the ball okay, good enough. Stafford felt completely comfortable back there. He was getting it to who he wanted to. He was going through his progressions. That can't happen. It just can't, not with this team. We talked about it before, but the defense gave up, you know, what, three big plays against the Lions last week. And with injuries at safety, I can definitely see some more coming. I think Rivera said that, that he would use Kendall Fuller a little bit more free safety this week. But, you know, you kind of need him a cornerback, too. No, and- not not with Tyler Boyd in the slot. They've got some good receivers. They've got T. Higgins. You know who, ironically, the forgotten one kind of is? A.J. Green. Yeah. I mean, this is a wide receiving core here. Ain't got time to be messing around, putting Fuller at safety, all this shit. Tyler Boyd will eat them alive on the slot. Fuller has to be there. And he played a shitty game last week. So he needs to rebound from it. This D-backs need to do it. But again, it's fool's gold on the back end. This D-line has to get to the quarterback. And this Bengals team gives up sacks. They've given up 32 sacks all year. There's no reason why Washington shouldn't be eating this dude alive. No reason for it. We'll see. You know, with DeShazer Everett, he's not going to play. He has that high ankle sprain. You got to depend on old Troy again, Troy Apke. Can I talk about this for a second? Sure. We talked about this before the season started, where it was going to be the DeShazer Everett Apke saga. And here we are. Now, everybody's criticizing Apke. He is who he is. Just like I said before, this team is what they are. They're not a good football team. They didn't have a good safety, free safety to start the season, okay? Shit, they didn't even have a good strong safety to start the season. Landon Collins, bye. (laughs) And they went into the season, but at least they had a big contract with him. He had to play, you know, he's a character guy, yada, yada. But they knew the glaring need at free safety. They knew that Apke was going to get eaten alive, that he was raw. They knew Everett is a special teams guy that is serviceable. So let's not act like, oh no, Everett's out, back to Apke. I mean, give me a break. These two suck, all right? They suck. I don't think there's any coincidence that the big plays stopped whenever it got in there. Yeah, he's not the most talented safety in the world. At least he's in the right spot, is what I'm saying. And and Apke consistently is three steps behind because he's you know he's got lead in his feet. He's fast as shit, but he doesn't really know how to diagnose a play or anything like that. So is everything predicated on the big play? The safety doesn't have to come up and help when it's slant patterns over the middle, or they're getting eaten alive by a tight end. What's the difference if it's a 50 yard bomb or you're getting picked apart on 20 yard ends? What difference does it make? The safety needs to help somewhere. So, okay, Apke gives up a big play. Look, I'm not defending Apke. He sucks too. But let's slow down. Okay, Everett's always been like the safe bet. He's a generic average guy that's a special teams guy and they're utilizing for necessity. We've been talking about this dude for years. This guy has nine lives, man. Nine fucking lives. I think he's a a solid little player. But man, if we're consistently relying on this dude, we got problems. And I said this before the season started. Well, no, I think on the back end, you don't need anybody special. You just need people not to fuck up because... Not true. I'm saying because the defensive line is able to typically get pressure, 
maybe not the last game, but overall, they've been pretty good getting consistent pressure. You don't need some guy to have no idea what the fuck they're doing back there. You need somebody who's solid, who's not going to give up a massive play. Oh, you mean like on, Curl? I'm not defending Curl in I any mean, Well, way. that's what we're talking about. This is our depth chart on the safety position because we decided not to rectify the issue. Look, We've got so many holes on this team. That's just one. I just think it's funny that all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> Everett's down. Apke has to go back in. This Yeah, it's horrifying. This loser. Well, he was a loser before the season started. They never should have put it in his hands to begin with. That's my point. So anyway, at the end of the day, the defense needs to get pressure on Burrow. They need to establish the line and get to this guy and make him make mistakes. Then maybe, Matt, your turnovers that you've been talking about for weeks will finally come to fruition. Otherwise, I don't see it happening. And the thing that sucks is, beginning of the season, they were getting a shit ton of turnovers, so the offense couldn't move. Now the offense can move, and the defense gets no turnovers. Right. Eventually, they're going to get this all together, Noel. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. When? (laughs) Funny you mention it. Let's move to predictions. Okay. Go ahead. You're the one that thinks it's potentially going to happen. So let's see if this run of wins happens now. I just don't think that Washington is as bad as their record is. I just think that they are a young team that is going to figure this shit out. I really do. And Matt, hold hold on. I I can't listen to this shit. All right. You're Hmm. crazy. This team is not a good football team. I've seen signs good. I've seen signs of life in other teams that have the same shit. I've seen signs of life in some Jets games. That doesn't mean that you're almost at the mountaintop. It doesn't. These guys are paid professional men. Every once in a while, the sun shines on a dog's ass. Okay? This team is not a good football team. Just because you have a dog in the fight doesn't mean the dog is worth a shit. All right? This team is not a good football team. They played carousel at quarterback. They can't run the football. Their defensive line is overrated. Their D-backs are fool's gold. They've got a few players that are diamonds in the rough. You're starting to talk delusional, like they're a play here and a play there and a mistake here and a mistake there away. Well, if you add them all up, you are what your record says it is. Yes, could they have another win? Maybe. They probably should. But it's, it's a compilation of mistakes by a bad football team and bad coaching. And that's what I look at it as. All right. Well, fair. But I will say that both these teams suck. But some <laughs> some teams aren't what their record is. And I think that they are a more talented team. And I think Alex Smith, can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Alex Smith is actually giving them something different that they needed, some stability and the leadership that they need. And I just think that Washington just sucks a little bit less than Cincinnati. You know, they're getting so close, putting a game together. Eventually, they're not going to self-destruct. Eventually, they're going to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And I think Washington is going to put it together enough to win this game 29 to 23. Okay, that seems like a decent score. I'm sorry. (laughs) Again, I hate to be a hater, but I think that this team, again, not a good football team. I'm convinced of that now. Alex Smith gives them a little bit of stability and a little bit of life. I I will give you that. But they're just not good, and they're not playing in timely fashions. And that's what bad football teams do. They don't make stops when they're supposed to. They don't come out guns blazing at beginnings of games. They don't finish half strong. Time management is bad. These are things that Washington does because they're not good. Cincinnati has at least shown some form of fight. They got their ass handed to them by the Steelers. The Steelers are a damn good football team. Okay, but they have shown signs of life offensively with Burrow. I think he's a damn good quarterback. And I personally think that Washington is going to lose this football game. And I think they're going to lose 31 to 21. All right. Mark it down. And that's my take on it. I think that they're going to have the same issues, not getting pressure on Burrow, and he's going to pick them apart. Um, They've got fast receivers. We have big problems with fast receivers. If they put their schemes together where they can make those short passes like they were and and do yards after catch, we've got serious problems, and I'm seeing that again. Well, we shall see. We shall see. All right, so moving on. In honor of Wednesday's NBA draft where the Wizards selected Denny Avdia out of Israel with the ninth pick. You said that very well, Matt. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't no practice problem. that at all. <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> I was staring in the in the mirror, saying it over and over and over again. <laughs> and uh, Cassius Winston with the 53rd pick after they traded with the Thunder. Hey, you know, got a, an extra second out of that. Not bad. You know, yeah. a little, little wheeling and dealing. But yeah. um, I guess before we start the top five, we talk about that a little bit. 
No, absolutely. I'm happy with the pick. When we talked with pregame, when we talked with Moderno, I didn't even think the guy was going to be there. He was talked about being top five. Some were talking about top three. I didn't think he was going to be that high, but they were talking about to the Bulls, teams like that. So I didn't even put him in the equation as a factor. According to Tom Shepard, he's been buddy-buddy with this dude since he was 16 years old. And I'm excited about it, man. You know I I look at these guys, and um, I love the Euros more than anything. And, Is he considered um, a Euro out of Israel? Yeah, Israel. They play in the Euro League. I mean, they Sorry. play in the European. They, if they can qualify for the European Cup in soccer, they play in that as well. Yeah, They're considered in the Euro globe or whatever yeah. you, the hell you want to call so it's it. It's a little different of a of an area there, you know. Yeah, there. I mean, even Turkey and shit is in is in the European leagues. So you know, I was talking to Moderno about it. He was saying that uh he compares him to a Hidu Turkulu without a three-point shot. You texted me that before and and um I mean, I think that Turkulu was a little bit more of a a slower version, more of an old school Euro type guy for me. I look at him closer to like a um, a, a Jan Vesley. N- no, God help <laughs> us, please. But I'm looking at him as more of like a uh, as more of an athletic Tony Kukoc, handle the ball, and more athletic Tony Kukoc, and can't shoot the ball as well as Tony Kukoc did. I don't know. So, I was I was watching him practice. He has a nice stroke. He needs some work on his jet. But that being said, he has handle, athleticism, and he's got the size. I mean, the guy's six ten. He can do everything. He's like that pure, that, that new age Euro that can take you off the dribble. And actually, he's, for a Euro, he's a really good defender. I mean, that's saying a lot. I mean, shit, he's only 19, man. You're saying that the Wizards drafted a Euro without a shot. Is that what you're saying? That's what they like to do. <laughs> I didn't say he doesn't have a shot. I'm just saying he doesn't have Tony Kukoc's shot. That's a big difference. Yes, so, that's true. So, I mean, and, or he looks kind of like, I'm, I know I'm, again, dating myself, uh, Andre Karolenko. Remember Karolanko on the Jazz? Of course, yes. Yeah. I mean, a less gangly one. He kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. If he can be one of those type of players, I'm happy, man. I'm happy. But here's the concern that I have. There's a couple concerns. And it doesn't Mm. come from Denny. It comes from how they're going to utilize him. If he ends up becoming one of those guys that just stands out on the wing like fucking Otto Porter did and watches because... He likes to have the ball in his hands sometimes. It's big Euros, you know, that can play off the dribble, shit like that. And if he's going to stand with his thumb up his ass at three-point range on the baseline, he's utterly worthless to this team because Wall needs the ball in his hands, Beal needs the ball in his hands, and he's going to give it to some rook to come off the dribble and start dishing balls off. It's just not going to happen. So that's really my only concern is how they're going to incorporate him in the offense. Because if he's standing around... It ain't doing a damn bit of good because his J ain't, ain't good enough to be just standing at, at three-point range watching John Wall run around like a chicken with his head cut off. Or Russell Westbrook. Matt, that's not happening. <laughs> get it out of your fucking mind. Just get it out of your head. If he doesn't want to do that, he probably shouldn't come to the NBA because that's what the NBA is now, is driving and No, I'm out. saying stunting his growth by not allowing him to flourish in, in parts of his game that he was brought into the NBA and brought to the Wizards for. These are parts, if you look at his film, I mean, he handles the ball a lot. He drives to the basket. And if you're just going to have him as a spot-up shooter, then you might as well just sit him on the bench and just Bertans can do that. Yeah. So one positive I will say, though, is, and I'll give him a plus over some of the other players, he didn't cry. Oh, yeah. He, he was he was about as stoked as you can get. I mean, I, we were talking about that on text. Oh my I was like, God, man. These guys are trying to outdo themselves with weeping. Like, what's his name? Sticks from Maryland. I don't even think he was really even crying. He just put his face down to yeah. act like he was crying. Like they put their hand over their eyes like they're embarrassed, but they're not. And right. I get it. You made it. Okay. And emotions are going to come out in different ways. I get all that, but my every guy and ESPN is discussing. They're like, look at the emotion on his face. Oh, you know, it just let it out. Let it out. Like that woman that was freaking interviewing. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just give your family a hug. Like shut up. Uh, My God. And we were talking about this too. It reminds me of like when in the NFL, when they could actually have drafts that they could be there. Right. You know, any other year. They would give the uh, the hug to Roger Goodell. It spread like wildfire. Now yeah, you feel once that obligated started, to do yeah, it. Yeah, right. 
the, the, the most hated man on on earth roger goodell let's give him a big bear hug yeah now now it's you know what diff type of different hugs can you give if you're a samoan guy you're gonna give like some big bear hug and lift them <laughs> off of the ground right. or some shit like give me a break like how can i make this hug as cool as possible but like doing the bro hug bro hugs yeah. a little old let me try something different this time like it's it's so ridiculous now it's yeah, with the now, NBA. now it's weeping. Now, uh, now apparently, if you don't cry enough, you don't you, you don't want it as bad. It doesn't mean as much yeah. to you. Yeah, these stoic euros. Good for Denny. Look, and I told you this. I said, look, these guys have been playing freaking basically pro ball since they came out of the womb. These guys didn't even go to school barely. Like at eight, year, at eight years old, they're like. Because in Europe, it's just a different mentality. Yeah. You go into apprenticeship, you know what you want to do, and you continue that path. You're, you're not like in the United States where, gotta be well-rounded. Like, mm -hmm. why do I need to learn this if I'm never going to use it? They're they cyborgs into, over there. Yeah, they go into a craft, and they learn it the best that they possibly can. All right, dude, you look like you're going to be tall. Your dad played basketball. You're going to play basketball. Fuck school. So they go into a craft, they go into a job, and they become the best that they possibly can at it. So this guy's been doing this job since he was a baby. So yeah, for him, just, he's just like, yeah, okay, this is the pinnacle him. of this is where I'm supposed to be at this point. Yeah. And, so, and we were we were joking around. He, he was, of course, he's not going to cry when he gets drafted by the NBA. You know, he's more concerned <laughs> when you said, you know, he's more worried about getting bombed and taking a shit. <laughs> Yeah, these guys, that'll make that might yeah, make yeah. him cry. Yeah, this these other guys, you know, crying because they made it and shit and the hardships. Man, this guy, he's li living in the in the belly of the beast over there. He's worried about a bomb hitting him while he's taking a dump. You kidding me? He knows hard. Yeah. Shit. He's happier than a pig in shit to get the hell out of there and come over to DC worried about taking a bomb from somebody. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think they had a good draft. Um going back to that, the Winston thing, I don't know. I think he was a really great college player. There's a big difference. I think he's a generic point guard. I think he's going to make a living being a good backup point guard. And right now, I mean, God willing, Wall plays good. Ish is a good backup. And they, they're not going to really need Winston to do anything. And if both of those guys are playing well, hell, he can play in the G League a little bit, get his feet wet, and come in when Wall's not playing the back-to-backs or whatever it is. But for me... I mean, he kind of reminds me of like a really poor man's Kyle Lowry, like a little pudgy, short, isn't great at anything, is just average, small, not that athletic, um, good instinctually, things like that, where what does that usually become? A good backup point guard. Well, Magic loves him. Big fan well, of him. Well, I mean, he's a Spartan. Michigan He'll love State, anybody yeah. coming yeah. out of that school. No, he said he's. we drafted the greatest leader in Michigan State history or something. Yeah, so. absolutely. Hey, leaders are leaders are good. He'll be what's called a floor general, you know, like a, yeah. a Chris Whitney or something like just a Just a generic guy, serviceable, isn't going to make a... Tyron Lue. Yeah, isn't going to make a ton of mistakes. Will be good off like the pick and roll. If he starts... In a pinch, down as a veteran, he might put up like nine and five or something, but nothing spectacular, and he's not going to make any mistakes. So I hope he makes a good career for himself. He, he seems like a really good kid. I mean, he lost his brother. The whole story with that was awful. So yeah. I hope he makes it. I think about at least 18 of the 30 picks lost their brother somewhere. They lost the somebody. <laughs> God. I mean, damn, man. I've never seen like just carnage. The way that I've seen it, whether it's, you know, lost the one guy. What was that guy that, that he fell and his brother smashed his head on, on the concrete and then he uh, was like brain dead? How does this shit happen to these guys? I don't know. It's like, it, my God. He's like, yeah, I'm, he was a vegetable. And then he died two days later. I was like, damn, man. Way to sober this conversation up, Matt. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, well, they, they did the same thing when the NFL draft. Well, everybody thing, had a sob story. Matt, this is the difference between when we were growing up and watching drafts and shit. They just used to do schematics about what this guy did. They used to show highlights and shit like that. Now everything's a damn reality show. Mm -hmm. It's not like their stories are any more tragic than guys that were coming out back in the 90s. Nobody talked about it as much. Now everything is out there. Everything has, Every, to, be everything, everything has to be highlighted. Everything has to be this dramatic story. And yeah, some of them are freaking ridiculous. That you can't believe that these guys came from this shit. It's like America's Got Talent. They just... And I'm a fan of the show, but it's gotten so sappy that it's hard to watch. And, and I yeah. swear to God, 
they've basically taken that model and put it into all the drafts. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like American Ninja Warrior. I used to actually like that show because I was like, damn, these guys are doing some crazy shit. But they always got to up the ante with the emotional bullshit. Every single time, it's a five-minute fucking profile of each person that does this shit. I'm like, my God, okay. They're there to do a sport. If I want to learn about him, I'll learn about him. I don't need to know all the ins and outs of every single guy and every deep, dark thing that's happened to every single person that comes through my life. I don't need to know that. And man, the weeping and this and that. I was like, when the hell can and this the woman thing- pushing them to think about their brother? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Tell us about, is this for him? Like, Yeah. It's like a producer, Ugh. like behind the camera on a reality show and projecting what they want them to talk about. Like, yeah. could you add a little bit more oomph on that scene? Like, I don't think you yelled just enough. I don't but, think you told the guy to fuck off with a loud... Could you yeah. try it one more time? But that was my third cousin, and I've never even met him. No, no, no. Yeah. We're, we're, we're using that No, one. no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take the third out. Cousin, good blood. Good. Yes, good, good. good. <laughs> so ridiculous. All right. Well, let's get through this real quick, shall we? It's the uh, top five, Ba-boom. as you mentioned. Yeah. Well, let's hope the current crop of Wizards draft picks don't fall into this category, but... We're going to do a top five covering the worst Wizards slash Bullets draft busts in history. <laughs> and there have been many. Right after we talk about <laughs> and talk up the draft picks that we have, now we have a draft bus list. Yeah. Uh, well, please. Let's please be honest. Don't. The likelihood of them being bust and being phenomenal players is probably greater. Hey, but Ernie's gone, so maybe that'll, that'll help. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Remains man. to be seen. But let's start. Noel, what's your number five? Well, my number five is... An old one. He is Calvert Chaney. Mm. And dating myself again, but this guy came out of Indiana. All right. Naismith Player of the Year. Three-time All-American. Was on blue chips. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> he had it. Every award that you could possibly get in college, he got it. They got him with the sixth pick. Bullets at the time were absolutely horrible. This was going to be the big time. It was the right pick at the the spot. You had big names going before him. He was the right spot and came in, played decent initially. But man, this guy, his high season, he averaged about 16 points a game. Um, He played with the Wiz for about six seasons. Once Weber and Jawan Howard got there and they had that crew, you know, in the 95 season when they made the playoffs and the whole deal, you want to talk about backseater. This guy was averaging like 10 points a game. We're not talking about like veteran that took a back seat. This guy was supposed to be in the prime of his damn career. They took a six pick on the player of the fucking year. And this guy, he averaged 12 points a game with Washington and then went on. And I think his career average was like nine or some shit. Miraculously, he made a career for himself, played for like 13, 14 seasons, but never a fan of him even when I was young. Speaking of generic, and we were talking about that before, never established a jumper. This guy averaged like 20, 27% from three-point range at the three spot. At the three spot. Yeah, great. <laughs> I mean, shit. So he had some decent seasons on points per game when the team was horrible, when they were winning like 20 games. But when they actually started to get decent, he was just... Remember when they had Strickland? Oh, yeah. They had uh, Murasan. They had Weber. Jawan Howard. He was the fifth best player in their starting lineup. So, and we're talking about a guy that was supposed to be the corner of the franchise when they drafted him. So that's why I have him there. Leave it up to Wes Unseld, right? Man, Indiana can't freaking look back. Indiana. They can't anybody. Shit. Who's I got the last one of them good on my guy list. that they had? Isaiah Thomas. Indiana Maybe, cannot yeah. produce basketball players, man. With Calvert Chaney, I was. Uh, I remember I would. I practiced free throws, doing his little thing where he pulled the arms back. <laughs> like a that's soccer how, throw? Yeah, that's how I would do it. And then he pull the arms back and do the three dribbles. Yeah. That was, that was my free throw practice move right there. I didn't know at the time. I was pretty young. I didn't realize how bad he sucked. So um, I mean, he wasn't horrible initially. There was a couple games where I was like, damn. But when you have a guy that's supposed to be that good, and you're having a game where he has 28 points, and you're like, damn, there you go, Calbert. There you go. I mean, geez, man, that's a sad state of affairs. And and um, that was a dark time for the wizard for the. Well, I guess it's not like I'm saying Redskins. You, you can know? say bullets. It's OK. <laughs> I can say bullets. A Poland wouldn't approve. A but... Poland, yeah. God bless his soul. 
<laughs> you <laughs> sell out. Well, let me uh, move on to my number five. Go for it. And this might surprise some people, but it's going to be Kwame Brown. That low? That low. I just think personally that he was given a raw deal from the outset. He was drafted number one overall, as we all know, as many people and, and most will say he's probably the biggest bust in NBA history, at least top three. But the guy still did play 11 seasons in the NBA. He made a little career for himself, role player. But if Jordan, as you've spoken about many times, wasn't such a dickhead from day one, maybe he wouldn't have completely destroyed any confidence that he had left. And you may have been able to tap some potential that you had in this kid. But um, he had unrealistic expectations. The only reason he's, he's even on this list for me is because of the location he was drafted. If he was like a 10th pick, he wouldn't even have been there. But obviously, number one's a little different. Oh, Matt, come on. This guy was an utter disaster. Yes, I have defended him as far as the treatment by Jordan. No doubt about it. Did Jordan stunt his growth and put him in, back into a shell? Absolutely 100%. But this guy was an asshole later on, too. He hadn't done shit, right? He started feuding with Eddie Jordan when he came in. They even tried to re-sign him. I can't believe this. I, I didn't even realize they tried to give him a five-year, $30 million deal. This scrub that hadn't mm. done jack shit. And he said, fuck off to the deal. I'm going to become a free agent. <laughs> this guy. This guy. Apparently, he has problems with Jordans in general. Yeah, he said, you, you must be his third cousin. <laughs> 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 so he gets his ass traded off, thank God. But man, what a disaster this dude was. I can't believe you have him that low on your listing. I mean, well, I, I forgot about the contract thing, but I still think that, you know, and, and the reason they probably they offered that to him because he was at straight out of high school and they probably saw some potential. Thank God he didn't sign it. Well, this you know. guy had. OK, yes, you have him on your list because Tyson Chandler was in that draft. Yeah. Paul was Gasol he? was in that draft. Zach yeah. Randolph was in that draft. Tony Parker was in that draft. Not that you would take Tony Parker with the first overall pick. I mean, he was a Euro guard. But I'm saying, you look back at the draft that there was, it wasn't a spectacular draft and one of the worst that, of course, the Wizards could get as the number one pick. Right. But still, there were some guys out there, and he never panned, man. He sucked. I would have taken Powell, for sure. Oh, absolutely. You kidding me? But, but yeah. Yeah, it, look. He's on my list for an obvious reason, but, you know, I think he got a raw deal. I just can't believe they got Karan Butler for this dude. That's what I was going to say. Him. That's another reason, because they got Karan Butler out of the trade. Thank God. It wasn't a total loss. Thank God. That was an Ernie I mean, special. Yeah. That's his That's his move. Ernie pulled some rabbits out of his hat back in the day, man. I, I mean, he sucked in certain ways. He can't draft for shit. He can't draft for shit, but he made some miraculous trades um, that really boosted Washington for a few years there. I'll oh, tell yeah. you that. All right. So what's your number four? My number four is a surprising one and one that people don't really think about. Okay. I think this guy gets some sympathy votes. Juan Dixon. <laughs> oh, you're crazy. Okay. Let me. <laughs> l now, I remember. It's a beloved figure in the DMV. Why? How dare you? Why? Because he, he played well for the Terps. So he deserved to go 18th overall to his home squad. Mm -hmm. When he got picked, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? I remember that draft vividly and never been a fan of the dude. I just love giving the guy. I mean, speaking of probably one of the trailblazers for this hard life story that we've been talking about is both his parents were heroin addicts. Both died from AIDS, lived with grandma, mm -hmm. hard life story, no doubt. Okay. They draft this guy, the 18th pick, not a good enough handle to, to play point guard. Couldn't play point guard. Not big enough to play shooting guard. Where the fuck was this guy going to play on a basketball court? Where was he going to play? It, it, it was the dumbest decision. He was a pure second rounder that you hope you can get something off of him off the bench. Maybe a little bit of a spark every once in a while. But 18th overall? There ain't no way. You know what this guy did with his career at Washington? He did exactly what a bench warmer does. He averaged seven points, two assists. Mm -hmm. That's what he did in three seasons ridiculous all it was was a sympathy thing and a homer pick and it cost him Tayshaun Prince was still available at that point okay you had Carlos Boozer never liked him but shit hell of a lot better than freaking Dixon he had some years there he had so he had sure. a few years with the Bulls man he was good hell yeah so yeah horrible pure homer pick pure heart pick and a waste of a pick 
and got Steve Blake that year as well in the second round. He actually ended up better than Dixon did. When he developed that shot. Hell yeah. It was very serviceable. Well, because he had a set spot that he could play, point guard. Yeah. Dixon was a tweener guy. He couldn't establish himself in either spot. That's what it made no sense to me. And to take him in the first round, hell no. And, and Steve Blake, who was the second fiddle to him at Maryland actually had a better pro career than he did. I think Dixon, this day and age, will probably fit better with the positionless basketball they have, you know, because he could have been, I'm not saying he has like handles like Stephen Curry or anything, but he's kind of in that mold, you know, very few are, but I'm saying the same kind of body type and the ability to score the way that he did. Kind of like a poor man, Steve Francis, I guess. I don't know. I think he'd be better in today's game, but well, back it wasn't then, better back then. It sure as no, hell wouldn't work no. that pick. So that's why he's on there. And everybody forgets about Dixon. And I don't know if 18th is considered low, but for me, shit, in 18th, people have made franchises at that pick. And they sure not, as hell didn't. <laughs> not the Wizards. <laughs> All right. Well, my number four is Otto Porter. Come so on. So this motherfucker, number three overall pick that was brought in to kind of be the, the glue guy, I Called guess. Called him between- a motherfucker. That hard, <laughs> hard, huh? I, yeah, I don't like him. I don't like him one bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was brought in to be the glue guy between wall and wheel. To me, you don't draft a glue guy at number three. You just don't. That's an 18th pick, like a Dixon spot type of thing. What bothered me is he's just such a huge pussy. He could have been better. Like he had the ability to be better, but he never fully asserted himself because I guess he just didn't have the balls to do it or or whatever his problem was. He stood at three-point range like we talked about earlier. That's all he did. But he had the tools to actually get to the basket and do those little fadeaway jumpers. And every... I mean, he's not that he's dead. Way he's too in, passive. He's, he's in the league. Way too right. passive. Absolutely. But... And that's the thing that pissed me off about it. It looked like he has everything. I mean, he got injured all the time. He still... He got injured again last year and year before. But the thing, when he wasn't actually injured, every fucking game, Noel, it looked like he got blasted by an elephant gun. Oh, my God. It was like, the, yeah. The wincing and pain, and he's fighting through it. and Like, it got to the point where guys would go over to him, and, like, you, usually you'll go run <laughs> over and help a guy up. They're like, dude, right. just get the fuck up already. Like, we know we know. Yeah, we know, your sh- you, we know your <laughs> shtick. All right, dude, just get the fuck up. Every game. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. You know what kind of reminds me of? When you used to play soccer at corner kick? Like, Mom, oh, yeah. you, say, you always go down. Well, it was 12 degrees in the corner kick. <laughs> you fall on that painted AstroTurf. Uh, there goes Matt going down again. Yeah, I, it didn't feel great. It was actually colder inside the corner kick than it was outside. We had like six. You fell about as much as Neymar does. <laughs> Neymar. <laughs> but the thing is with Porter, the reason why he wouldn't be on my list, and he's not, is because he did show signs of improvement. His three-point shot, he could have been in the three-point contest that year. He improved in certain aspects. At the end of the day, he was behind two alphas, okay? They were having their own fucking problems, him, Beal, and Wall. And he was backseating himself because that's how he is, and I, I criticize him being way too passive. At some point in time, he should have said, fuck it, and done it. And that's why I always said, and I had said for years, bring his ass off the bench. Get him away from these two. And Let they finally him do did his that. thing. And they finally did it. And then they traded him away. <laughs> and then they traded his ass. And he finally sh- started showing signs of what they thought he could be. He was mm-hmm. good on the defense side of the ball. He could guard multiple positions. Now, we're talking about for the Wizards here. I'm not talking about he's some grandiose defender, but he could guard up on multiple positions. He was a Swiss Army knife in a lot of ways. So for you to put him on the list, now being third overall, you should be an all-star, right? Right. That's That's what you're considering. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of what he was dealing with, with the other personnel on the team and where they had him slotted. Like I said, what I hope they don't do with Avdia, they were doing with Porter. That's my worry. And part of it's the Wizards' fault. Not taking blame away from Porter for not pressing forward, but I think the Wizards and the player personnel that they had had a part to do with it as well. No, that's fair. I agree. But he's doing the same shit with the Bulls. I mean, he's played oh, like three absolutely. games. But yeah, no. that, that's and, just and that, him. That's no, just him. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Now, now it's him. You know, now that I see, but with Washington is what we're talking about. As far as bus with our team, that played a factor. Now it's rearing its ugly head and saying he just is what he is. Yeah. If he would be like a dominant player with the Bulls, I'd be like, all right, it was fully Brooks's yeah, fault absolutely. or Wall or Beal, but right. he just is who he is. All right. Uh, let's move on to number three. What you got? JaVel McGee. Ah, oh, fuck him. He's got a ring now, that bastard. Oh, does it even count? John Sally has rings. Fuck him. Play a Randy bit. Livingston has rings. 
Scott well. Burrell has a damn ring. What are we talking about? Rings don't count for shit if you're not in the games. So what a clown, man. Ugh. You want to talk about a guy that had all the athletic ability. There's a reason why this idiot fucking couldn't get a big scholarship and ended up going to Nevada. In hindsight, they take this guy 17th overall, right? And has the athleticism, can jump out of the building, lanky, can guard most centers, and just was just average or below average at everything. Yeah. Always a look on his face. Always looked like he was didn't want to be bothered. What are the things you really remember out about McGee? A guy that should have been, again, a potential cornerstone of the franchise based on his build and his athleticism. You remember him coming in second in the slam dunk contest to Blake Griffin. He should have won. And he should have won. That was bullshit. And what else do you remember him for these days? Shaq DeFool. He's the post... He's, he's Shaq the, and DeFool. Shaq and DeFool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you remember him for. Beast just gets dominated on that thing. And that's what we had to deal with here in Washington. This yeah. fucking clown and shit like him and the Nick Youngs of the world. These fucking clowns, man. Like Nick Young at least put up some number, had a, a couple seasons where actually he put up a couple numbers. So he didn't make my list, but he's another one that was a high draft pick that turned out to be not what they thought he was going to be. But McGee, he had all the tools, man. There should have been no reason in that day and age when he was with Washington that he shouldn't have been dominant. And he didn't do shit. He was a role player center. Well, in fairness for McGee, and, and, and trust me, I despise him too. I, I hated him with the Wizards. But that team, I hated everybody. Andre Blatch was the captain. When he's leading your squad, you know you got problems. So they all kind of fell in line. And they all were clowns. I mean, look at, like he said, Nick Young, Blatch. McGee. These were like genuinely bad people such that were on this team. Such a dark time. Oh, horrible. God, and such like, a dark time. And if they maybe had some real leadership on that team, maybe they would have straightened up. But. I mean, Ibaka was still available when he got yeah. taken. Even DeAndre Jordan. I mean, you could have gotten a few seasons out of him and had a defensive stopper and a guy that grabbed 800 rebounds in a game. I can understand the drafting of McGee. It was a typical Ernie pick. Yeah. The guy with the sky's the limit, but a bad attitude. Athletic freak. How many of those picks did he have? Yeah. Really? It's just atypical for that asshole. Anyway. The potential that becomes potentially nothing. Right. But what a fucking clown. And he still did the same shit later on with, yeah. with the Lakers and shit. The only difference is he was doing it riding a bench. Just come in and like trip over his own two feet. Oh, there goes old McGee again. There goes Javel. <laughs> fucking scrub. That whole team. My God. Yes. Very, very dark time in Wizards lore. All right, so my number three is Jared Jeffries. God. God, I hate this guy. Hate him. I hated him in Indiana. Yeah. His stupid face. How do you even describe that? Like he ate like a full lemon or something. Like, uh -huh, and, it, uh -huh. and he had those like, like one of those. It was like. If you don't know what uh, Jared Jeffries looks like, please look him up because it's a face you want to punch directly in, yeah, in his nose. Absolutely. But, I was so pissed when Ernie <laughs> drafted him at 11. I was like, come on, man. No. I'm not a huge college basketball guy, but I remember when Indiana played Maryland that year. And I watched a lot of college basketball at that time. And he just never impressed me. He never did anything well, even in college. And you mentioned Indiana, shitty Indiana players. That's another one. I mean, the guy averaged 5.7 points a game with the Wizards on a team that played no defense and that was scoring absurd amount of numbers, especially <laughs> at that time. They were time. putting up like 120 a game, uh, yeah. and this guy put in five. <laughs> I think I could have averaged five points a game on that team. I mean, Maybe. you would think just with your <laughs> eyes closed and a hook shot from half court, you could put in three and then two free throws. There's your five right there. They were shooting at the five-second mark right. on the shot clock. Yeah. Gilbert didn't shoot every time, okay? A lot of them, but not every time. So, <laughs> you know, he was kind of actually like a poor man's auto. In a oh, way. Like, my God, extremely poor. It, yeah. Yeah, which is really sad. Yeah. He did nothing particularly well, just kind of was there. Yeah, jack of all trades, master of none. We've said that yeah. before. And he, he was just average at everything, a little gangly. What made him sometimes play okay defensively is because he was so awkward. Yeah. You know, like it had that kind of like... Tayshawn Prince body, like where like the arms were a little gangly and just hard to get around. Yeah, he had like but an eight foot yeah. wingspan. Or and whatever, that was but, it. That was his yeah. only attribute that he had is that he was gangly and awkward. That was it. And he looked it too. Everything that he did, he, he looked like a fucking giraffe, <laughs> a baby giraffe that just popped out. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, like just figuring out his way, except you're a grown man. By now, you should have figured out how your arms work, you fucking douchebag. Uh, yeah, he, he sucked, sucked, man. Fucking sucked. hated him since God, day one. Sucked. That was a good one. I didn't Thank have them all in there, but that was a good one, Matt. Thanks. Dug deep for that one. Yeah. All right. What's your number two, Noel? Jan Vesely. I mean, that's uh -huh. a fucking no-brainer to me, man. That's my number two. What do you need to say about this scrub? He was supposed to be like fucking Dirk. You know, this guy when he came out. What a scrub. Did nothing for this team. What a waste nothing. of a pick. This guy was the sixth overall pick. Is that high? Speaking of averaging points just by accident, this fucker averaged three and a half points a game with the Wiz. Mm -hmm. You would think just off like a missed free throw or something, you could tap a ball in at his size and get your three points. This guy was drafted, and what makes it even worse, Kimball Walker, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, even fucking Isaiah Thomas. God help us. <laughs> hey, we had him. We had yeah. him, yeah. <laughs> Worked out well. That list... You yeah. passed on those. You passed on Kemba fucking. I mean, I know they had a point guard. They didn't need him. They had Wall. They didn't need him. But look at this list of guys, man. I know. This is a hell of a draft. So it was just the biggest bust besides one other guy that I'll get to was the biggest bust in Wizards history. Yeah. My number two is Mr. Jan Vesely as well. This was another Ernie special here. Uh, athletic guy could jump out of the building. Euro that couldn't shoot. Not Jan's fault. I mean, he got drafted. But yeah, like you said, Kawhi Leonard, Kemba Walker, Clay Thompson. I mean, Jimmy Butler. The thing that pisses me off the most so about this, Noel, many forget if it's not bad enough. They also drafted Chris Singleton with the 18th. <laughs> yeah. Day. So let's not forget. <laughs> to, yeah, to make they, matters fucking worse. My they could have gotten Jimmy Butler with the 18th pick as well. Yeah. But they still didn't pick him. And you mentioned the baby giraffe. I kind of thought of Vesley like that as well. Like a baby deer or a baby giraffe just came out of the womb and didn't know how to like walk. He was a damn yeah. deer in headlights. <laughs> <But> <laughs> this guy. He couldn't shoot. How do you average three and a half Matt, points a game? Matt, he looked like he had never played basketball before in his life. I know. I know. In his life. It was not even okay. He's getting his bearings. Like a young Euros, usually they have to figure out the game, the NBA game. Okay, it's just a different animal. But my gosh, he wasn't even the same damn species of... I mean, he was just in another world. It had looked like he had been playing soccer and then just decided to pick up a basketball right before the first game of the season. He's an Ernie guy that falls under that McGee, that yeah. same old shit. It's just he happened to be a Euro. Yeah. And that's the only difference. And that was a time period when Euros were really coveted. Yeah. The Darko situations and all that, where they were really coveted. And then after Jan was picked, it was really a started to cool down years after that. It's finally started to pick up again because their style of play is changing over there as well. But this was a dark time for Euros as well. And, and the thing is, a lot of people were high on the guy. They really were. In fairness, we were excited about him. Shit, I remember they, that. They called him the, the Euro Blake Griffin. <laughs> yeah. We should have gotten the first overall pick that year, by the way. Absolutely. Got fucked over with the six, as Absolutely, usual. Absolutely, man. I that mean, was a nice Blake what a draft that was, and what a shame. Opportunity after opportunity lost. and You had uh, two opportunities. Yeah. Not just one. Thanks, Ernie. But I'm sure he somehow traded his way out of it and like... Scrambled at the last minute to keep his job. Burns the house down and yeah. then puts it out. But Can we just go over the luxury tax just this one more time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's old Ernie for you. All right. So, moving on to number one. What is your number one, Noel? Well, we talked about him, and you had him way too low on the list. I think I made a valid point, but go ahead. I don't think you did. He's not only the biggest bust in Wizards history. There's people that have him as the biggest bust in NBA history. Okay, Kwame Brown. When you think of NBA busts, he is usually in your top three, no doubt. Yeah. So you have him not even on the top of the Wizards list. Okay, well, it's I, um, I just took a different route. You know, I'm yeah, not good. Good for you. I'm just saying you're wrong. You can take I'm whatever. not a follower trailblazer. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he is the by far the worst wizard to ever put on a Washington uniform. The biggest bust. He set Washington back for years. I get the Jordan aspect of things, like I said before. But man, he dug his own grave with Washington and 
I can't believe he wedged a career for himself as long as he did. That's a fucking joke. NBA's in a bad place if this fucker is on a roster and making money. He, he didn't deserve a dime of anything he got. I'll tell you what, though. Later in his career, he did find a spot. He was a good defender, and he would rebound. Nobody expected anything offensively out of him, but he actually was pretty productive in that I regard. love how they say when a seven-footer can rebound the ball. What the fuck else are these guys supposed to do? No, I know. I'm just saying. He played 11 years. It's not he like didn't he didn't play 11 years. He was on a roster for 11 <laughs> years. He got some stints where he had a couple of games, and we talked about this before where bad teams have moments of glory. Yeah, he had a couple of games where like, oh, that's the Kwame we were talking about. Yeah, one game in 82 games. Good job, buddy. That's what we saw in high school. Good God, man. I mean, you're you're really bottom feet in there. If you're like, he had 11 boards in that game. That's the Kwame we know. No, well, Good especially God. at that point, at that time in the NBA, I mean, their height and athletic ability were very coveted. Today, he wouldn't have been able to get a job. But I think back then, he had at least some tools that were serviceable for a roster. He didn't but have tools no, he in any era. Okay, <laughs> They could have been playing the fucking... He could have been on the Celtics in the 1950s with four little white guys on the court, and he still would have sucked. What do you think he was going to be, Bill Russell out there? Get the fuck out of here. The guy was garbage. I would have put him in any era, and he'd be dog shit. That's how much I love this guy. Fair. All right. Well, let me move on to my number one here. So this is not a actual pick. It's how they gave away their pick. So this was back in 2009 when the Wizards traded away the fifth overall pick for Mike Miller and Randy Foy to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Holy shit. This is the worst thing Ernie ever did. And he had some doozies. But I guess at the time, uh, he thought they needed veterans around because they were giving it one last go. Kind of sounds similar to what we're doing now with the Wall and Beal experiment. One last hurrah for Gilbert and Antoine and Butler. And, you know, I guess Grunfeld wanted to give it one last go while at the same time mortgaging their future in the process. So uh, Minnesota eventually drafted Ricky Rubio, who at the time was like all the rage around the world. So ended up being a okay player. So he's still in the league, right? But yeah, he just got traded to Minnesota. They're excited about him. Back to Minnesota. Good for him. Back to the T-Wolves. Yeah. But instead of getting nothing, you listen to the list that you could have got instead of these two clowns. Steph Curry, for one. That would have been nice. DeMar DeRozan, Drew Holiday. Shit. I mean, even Jeff T. Oh, come on, Matt. What? You're listing three point guards. What the hell were the... You think they had the foresight to say, okay, well, we're going to take a little guard out of Davidson with the seventh pick overall when we have Gilbert Arenas at the point guard spot. I'm just saying, look, yeah. he became one of the greatest players to ever live. <laughs> right. But regardless of that, um, DeMar DeRozan would have been good. He would have fit in there like a fucking glove. You know, so instead they got Randy Foy, who was fucking horrendous awful i mean you want to talk about looking like he never played basketball before god man and i actually was kind of a fan of his with with the timberwolves so he just took about seven steps back with the wizards you needed a backup point guard because you didn't know what you're gonna have with gilbert arenas if he was you know coming off that yet another injury and all that shit and then mike miller he was you know whatever he's mike miller he was okay but he stayed for a couple years and then and then left but the biggest problem that i have with this is that this draft was responsible as really the start of destroying my most famous era of Wizards basketball. This was it. And of course, a comedy of errors happened thereafter with guns and all that shit. But this really set the Wizards back. And with all setting the Wizards back, this did and then some. Oh, yeah. And you could have had shit. I can make the argument, Gilbert coming back with an injury, you don't know if he's going to be healthy ever again. Steph Curry might have been a good choice. And nobody really knew what they had in Steph Curry. He could have been a Juan Dixon, or he could have become Steph Curry, but he could have been that kind of tweener guy that was at least a backup for Gilbert, who was always injured. So I don't think that would have been a terrible pick at number six. If we're looking even back at that time, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they at that point in time, like you said, it was kind of a last hurrah. They were putting all their eggs in that basket. They were all in. Um, they were all in. And the trade, I mean, a five for those two, I agree with you there. I don't know if it's number one on a on a top five list but yeah it definitely put them back they could have gotten something that would have established something for the present at the time and the future yeah um, it was kind of you, you could have had it both ways and instead you were bringing in and they didn't realize i wholeheartedly believe that randy foy was the big purchase of that trade the miller part just kind of came as an added bonus if he could hit a couple threes here and there great 
So he was kind of that side piece. But the Foy thing and the way he dropped off the face of the earth, my God, man, he was Horrible. awful. And I believe awful. he had an expiring contract, too, yeah. didn't he? So it was mm-hmm. just like it didn't make any fucking sense. Right. Hey, you said that Grumsoul can't draft for shit anyway, so pff, at least he knew what he was getting, I guess. <laughs> well, right. Steph Curry probably would have never been Steph Curry if he came oh, to the Wizards anyway. Oh, hell no. You know, hell so no. So who are we kidding? It's better he, to he get might, Randy he might, have been, he might have been in there with the gun shit. We never would have seen Curry again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got anything else? No, no, that's that that's good. I mean, I hope that these guys, this current draft, hopefully we're not giving bad mojo on Avdia, and I'm really excited to have them. Hopefully they can find a place for them, but yeah, Wizards had some dark days in the draft, and I hope 2020, which has been a shitty fucking year, Has doesn't... it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, and personally... And for the country and for definitely for Washington sports, it's been a shitty year. I'm not going to cry about it. That's for sure. Please don't. We've seen enough of that. <laughs> all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Quick program note. NBC Sports Washington's Chase Hughes will be returning to the show on Tuesday. Talk some Wizards draft as we did and maybe get some inside info on the new draft picks and uh, also what they're planning on doing for free agency. So that's Bertans, come on. By then, hopefully, signed and ready to rock and roll, gunning threes again. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So please tune in for that. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsBros.com. Hope you guys uh, enjoy the game. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) And we will see you on Tuesday.